Good afternoon. My name is Carlos, and I will be your conference operator today. Welcome to the Cousin O'Connor Public Strategies Beltway Briefing Series, The Road to the 2018 Midterm Elections. Our call today will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a member of Cousin O'Connor. Our speakers are Howard Schweitzer, Managing Partner, and Mark Alderman, Chairman of Cousin O'Connor Public Strategies. This recording will also be available after the call at CO publicstrategies.com, as well as on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Cousin O'Connor. To submit live questions, please email presidentialanalysis at cousin.com. Thank you very much, and thanks for joining us uh, today, everybody. Happy Halloween. My name is Blake Rutherford, uh, and I'm joined, as always, by Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cousin O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer the managing partner of Cousin O'Connor Public Strategies. Uh, gentlemen, you look great in your Halloween costumes today. Uh, Happy Halloween, Blake. I appreciate you. Uh, Trick you, or treat, Blake. Uh, Mark will definitely be at his door handing out candy. Yeah, uh, I can't. Please, please, everyone, go to go go to the Alderman house tonight and look for Mark dressed up as Trump. Um, 60-40 that the lights will be on. 60-40 is good. Good. Very, very festive of you, Mark. Very festive. <laughs> Very neighborly of you. Um, well, gentlemen, I, I hate to begin uh, the call on a somber note, but it has been a, a difficult week. Um, I want to I want to get your thoughts about you know two really tragic experiences. One of which did not result in um, in mass casualty, although it, it certainly could have. The mailing of pipe bombs to a number of Democratic officials. Um, and then, of course, the horrific tragedy um, at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. Mark, I want to begin with you. You know, we we talk about each year, each election year, there always being, you know, sort of an October surprise, something that happens that's that's unforeseen that that affects the landscape of of the political climate, at least, um, you know, what do you. What's your a your reaction to 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 those events in the context of uh, you know of of these races and b how do you think the the administration has handled its response? Well, Blake, my reaction like that I hope of everyone in the country is horror at what we are seeing, and it is difficult to translate that horror into the midterm elections but but it is relevant obviously and and consequential it's been three weeks since the Kavanaugh bump it uh, like everything in the Trump era seems like like three years and I hope that this is the last uh, thing that happens before the uh before the midterms. I think uh, in terms of potential consequence, uh, Trump is awful at empathy. I don't think he has looked good at consoling the country to the extent that there are people undecided uh, and there still are some, and to the extent that people are deciding whether to vote or not, and I think there are more of those, I think that his performance is 
is tilting against him, that his approval ratings are ticking down, and that, I suppose, is uh, is a good sign for Democrats on Tuesday, although it's, it's hard to be happy about uh, the electoral consequences of such awful events. Howard, what are your what are your thoughts? I guess my headline is I I think I don't think that the direct I don't think that what happened in Pittsburgh I don't think the pipe bombs matter at all I mean I think people barely remember them at this point I think what happened in Pittsburgh doesn't directly is not going to directly impact uh, people going to the polls I don't even think Trump's handling of it as much as I dislike it is going to impact the way people vote. I think it's a couple of, I think they're to be politically crass. There are a couple of, couple of things. One is it has impacted Trump's ability to shift the narrative in the closing days of the election um, in a way that might have otherwise been very beneficial to the Republicans because he's good at it. I mean, he's trying to do it still with this 14th Amendment nonsense and birthright citizenship and um, and the caravan. And but he was muted to some to a significant extent by what happened in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, not as muted as horrific. he should have been, but but to an extent. To an extent, and you know, the other thing is, I, I think just more broadly, people are disgusted. They're disgusted by um, the state of the country. And so so the question that always gets pulled, um, it's not a Trump question. It's a is the country. It's a right track, wrong track question. There can't be the, the right track cannot have ticked up in the last week. Uh-huh. And that that hurts the Republicans. Yeah, I mean, market. I, I think just an, obs- an observation on party, that hurts the party in power. It hurts the party that holds yeah. all that holds the White House and the two branches of Congress, and it's kind of that simple. Well, can I can I just put uh, a, a corollary on, on that because I think that is exactly right. I think there's a paradox that plays out in the late days of this election. I think it absolutely played out in 2016, probably made Trump president. I think the paradox is that whoever is in the news, the other side benefits. So when the Democrats were in the news on the Kavanaugh hearing, the Republicans benefited. I think that it's a variation on Howard's theme about right direction, wrong direction. Trump is in the news, not as muted as he should be, but I think the pipe bombs and the synagogue massacre put him in the news. He puts himself in the news with the nonsense, as Howard says, about the caravan and the, the birthright. When Trump is in the news, because people are disgusted, it benefits the other side. And I'm hoping he stays in the news through Tuesday and the Democrats stay out of the news. That's the paradox I think we're seeing. I think we saw it in 2016 with the Comey letter. That's what tipped the election, according to a lot of people. Right. Yeah. I mean, what do you, Howard, what do you make of of Trump's sort of, um, I mean, it's closed because – 
you know, he, sur- he, he made his visit to, to Pittsburgh yesterday, um, completely ineffective as, <laughs> as it was in terms of what we expect from the President of the United States, be that as it may. Uh, Trump is Trump, which you can, ex- you can anticipate he'll get back on the campaign trail, you know, as soon as, as, soon as, as, as possible. Um, I mean, what do you make? I mean, they sort of cast immigration as 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 their closing theme um, effective. Yeah, I think I, I do think immigration is an effective political argument. I think it won him the election in, in 2016. I don't think Jim Comey won him the election, Mark. Look, it's an economic issue. It's a proxy on the Republican side of the aisle for um, the economy. And um, in place, there's a reason why Trump won um, Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. And immigration is the reason. It is flat out indisputable, in my opinion, that that's the reason he won those states, because he picks off, he has succeeded in picking off the union voters that would have traditionally voted Democratic, but that came over to him because of his position on immigration and the wall and and all that. And we'll see how much of an impact that is going to have next Tuesday. Trump is going to lose. And I say Trump because this has 2020 consequences and because he has made it about himself. But it's fascinating to look at what is very likely to happen on Tuesday In those states that Howard just mentioned, Trump is likely to lose the states that made him president. He is going to lose Pennsylvania, meaning that the Democratic incumbent governor, the Democratic incumbent senator are going to be reelected. And Democrats are going to turn red seats blue three, four, five, six in the congressional election. The same thing is going to happen in Ohio. The same thing is going to happen in Michigan. The same thing might happen in Wisconsin. The Midwest that made Trump president is going to go blue on Tuesday, most likely. And that that is, I think, a refutation of the closing immigration argument working again. So it's working it's working where he's popular. It's working in North Dakota. It's working maybe in Texas. It's working in Tennessee. I don't think it's working this time in the Midwest. Oh, we'll see. And but I don't even know why we're having this discussion because Nancy Pelosi yesterday declared the election over. <laughs> yeah. Nancy Pelosi said that on the late late show or whatever it was that the election's over the democrats are they're going to win the house next week so guys why don't we just end the call now since we know what's going to happen according to mark's next um speaker of the house well we all well, know the I agenda think, right i mean she's already told yeah. us what she's right. gonna she's first of all she said we're gonna win i'm gonna be the speaker and here's the agenda right all before the yeah. election before the election's been held i mean Mark, well, once, once Democrats again, can screw up a one-car funeral, I think. Hoping, got to keep the Democrats out of the news, and and we'll have a better chance. But, yeah, that's, that's plenty dumb is, is yeah. what that is. 
But, uh, uh, but I do think we just if I if I may say one more thing about this debate about the election that's already been declared over. Got to remember where we are right now. Where we are? What are we? Six days out? Seven days out? Depending on how you count. You know. Eighty percent of the electorate has decided what it's going to do. It's decided who it's going to vote for. It's decided whether it's going to vote. And a lot of people have already voted, don't forget. So you're talking about the 20 percent who decide elections. And I think among that 15 to 20 percent, the question is, are they going to vote? I even think those people have decided which way they will vote if they vote. The question is, are they going to show up to vote? And that yeah. is is what we've been saying for a while in these calls. This is a turnout election. Anything that will turn out a vote for your side is what each side should be doing. Yeah, and speak, speaking of that, I mean, we we talk about, you know, voter enthusiasm, but it – and we talk about the – we certainly talk about, you know, young people's relationship to – you know, to this election, to this president, and it, you know, there's a new NBC poll, NBC News poll that came out that says that millennials 18 to 34, just 31% of them say they'll vote in November. Um, A majority of millennials overall, 63%, don't think that Congress represents the interests of people like them, and a third think Congress, only a third think Congress represents people like them well. So 31% of 18 to 34-year-olds are are going to vote, which is um, is you know not not a great percentage, um, and certainly not not a good sign for the Democrats, since generally um, eighteen to thirty four year olds tend to trend Democratic. Uh, but to your point, Mark, um, you know who's going to show up and vote um, is interesting because we are seeing Howard that early vote totals are up. People who study these things um, think that that we could see. The highest midterm turnout in in a number of cycles. Yeah. So uh, hard to know. But what do you what do you make of uh, where we are? Um, my when I was uh, I managed to get up on Halloween this morning and force myself onto the treadmill, Blake. And as I was treadmilling, the thought occurred to me that like I'm sick and tired of polls. Like no more talk about polls and experts. Like what I'm thinking about is what. What would what would we be thinking if we were living in a world with no polls? Because they did us no good two years ago. Right. And what I'd be thinking about is is the following. Generally, people dislike Trump, but they dislike him more on the coasts and in the and in urban areas than they do in rural areas. Um, people hate Congress <laughs> universally. I mean, what is it? At eight percent, nine percent, ten percent approval rating. Um, but they, I think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are more divisive figures than um, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. I, I just do. Um, you know, the economy is good, and that favors the Republicans because they're in charge. But on issues like health care, uh, and, and by the way, I think the economy being good hurts a little bit um, the immigration message because the immigration immigration message is tied to a negative economy, but the the economy being what it is, people aren't hurting as much, so they're not going to be as motivated by that 
in those rust belt states that Mark was talking about and I was talking about as they as they might have been in the past. Um, healthcare for the for the Democrats and 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 tariffs. Um, those issues I think help the Democrats and hurt Republicans. So you you weigh all that and, and where where's the population? Where are the House races? The House races are are going to be concentrated more in the higher population areas, which are the areas that Hillary Clinton won more than Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. So I think putting all that together, I'm thinking, uh, I'm I'm trying to think in those terms as opposed to what Cook and Sabato and the, the data were being fed all day, every day, even though I'm a consumer of it. Um, and I think that all nets out to, you know, a, a positive day, and an, I think an overwhelmingly positive day for the Democrats. They're not going to take the Senate like I thought they might six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They're going to take the House, and they're going to take a lot of the down-ballot races yeah. that have future political implications. Well, we, we did a, you know, we had a special episode of, of the Beltway Briefing that I would certainly encourage everybody to listen Listen to you can find it at copublicstrategies.com with former Virginia Attorney General uh, Jerry Kilgore talking about some of those down ballot races. So definitely check that out. I mean, Mark, let's you know, let's you you and I well, you and I have talked about this. Let me say this, this and, if I may about what what Howard said. I have a prediction about polls. Howard's going to get his wish and have a world without polls if he's wrong about what happens on Tuesday. If the Democrats don't take the house there will be no political polling anymore on the planet because all the data everywhere suggests exactly the result that howard predicted with which i agree and with which all the polls agree so this this is not that our audience especially cares about this but some of us on this call have friends in the polling business. Their business is at risk on Tuesday. They either get yeah. it right here's, this time or no one's paying any attention again. Because let's 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 remember that at this exact moment, two years ago, Hillary Clinton was up six points in Wisconsin, according to every poll. Six points. So yeah, I mean, I there reasons to be suspicious. Yeah, and I, look, I just I I think we're thinking not we but the the punditry <laughs> the pundits are thinking it, they're thinking in old school terms. I mean, look, Trump won Ohio, Ohio by more than he won the purplest of purple supposedly by more than he won Georgia. Like. This is not a normal time. He's not a normal guy. He's not a normal president. Um, I think people have lost faith in a lot of the institutions in this country. He's playing on that. He's as much a symptom as he is a cause. Um, but if you just just here's here's some numbers. Um, and to me, this is where the election gets decided. There are. Wait, I thought I thought we weren't doing polls, Howard. No, this I'm isn't confused. polls. These are these are these aren't. This isn't polls. <laughs> okay. There are 164 house races in districts that are classified as suburban districts. Of those 164, 74 seats are currently held by Republicans, 
and 90 seats are currently held by Democrats. I'll cite the pundits a little bit and say that 28 of the 74 Republican seats in suburban districts are classified as competitive. One of the 90 seats currently held by Democrats in suburban districts is deemed competitive. This election's going to the Republic. I mean, to the Democrats. There's, there's just no, no question. So maybe Nancy's right. Maybe she should <laughs> yeah. be elected speaker today. Well, I mean, you but, know, it's. Uh, but I'm sorry, Mark. Go ahead. When, when all of that, I hope and predict comes true on Tuesday. <laughs> what we will have done, Blake, is deepen the divide, because right. the result that is being. I think unanimously predicted on this call is being achieved by largely in, in largely uh, in districts that have an above average income, that have an above average education level, maybe that have an above average engagement by women. The places where Donald Trump and where Republicans on Tuesday are going to still prevail are places where there are a lot of white men with under average incomes and without a college education. That's not to condemn those people by that description. They are not by that description necessarily <laughs> deplorable, but, but it is a fact. It is a statistical fact that the divide is deepening if the result yeah. uh, on Tuesday is what's being predicted. Which is, look, because both parties are screwed up. And the Democrats, yeah. they're going to do well, but guess what? The whole progressive um, strain running through that side of the aisle, your side of the aisle, Mark, is, is it's, it too divides. It too is, is extreme. It's its own brand of uh, negativity and, and lies. It's lies. Like Bernie Sanders campaigning on free college for all is a lie. It's a lie. And, you know, the question is, what are the, what are the implications? Look, there, there are plenty of people that our listeners can turn to to get predictions about next Tuesday. But what are the implications for governing? And I think you just you – just, started down that path, Mark, with your correct, you know, sense that it, it means more of a divide, that the people that are going to lose on Tuesday, the Republicans that are going to lose in purple states are the Republicans that have more potential to, to be moderate. And, and you know, that's, and, and the same for right. the Democrats. If Joe Donnelly loses right. in Indiana, and Heidi Heitkamp loses in North Dakota, the Democrats are losing moderation, not progressivism. Right. They're tilting to the left. And so what does that mean for Nancy Pelosi's speakership? You know, well, what does that mean right. for the next Congress? What does it mean for the potential to do deals? That's, you know, that's what I'm thinking about. Well, nothing good is what it means for the potential to do deals because the Republican caucus that will be left in the House, I hope in the minority, will be a harder right caucus. The Pelosi caucus, 
should she be the speaker, which she wouldn't have my vote, as everyone who's heard any of these calls knows, but she's very likely to keep the gavel if if Democrats prevail. But we have to see who actually wins those seats. That it, it, the the Democratic caucus is not necessarily going right or left or anywhere. It's just going to be more divided depending on who actually right. wins. In the Senate, by subtraction, yeah. the Democratic caucus, which will remain in the minority, is going to tilt farther left because some of the people in the middle are the ones at, at risk here. And none of that is good for governing. That just like, it deepens does feel like, the divide. Um, the margin matters, too. Yeah. If it's, you know, single-digit margin in the House, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess that probably uh, has an impact in the other direction because they're going to have to they're going to have to do deals. I mean, they're not going to be able to pass bills that they're not just going to pass bills along party lines. There are too many. Right. Um, there are going to be too many people on day one thinking about 2020. Absolutely. At their in, in terms of their own races. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think as I think it's more important to watch the the margin, the House margin, than it is. Yeah, I mean the you know the just the hard outcome. Yeah, and 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 to to Mark's point too about who wins where. I mean you, I mean again you're going to have potentially some Democrats coming in in districts that are used to voting Republican. They're not going to have won by large margins at all. They're going to have a very they're going to be narrow victories. They're going to have to build build a coalition of moderation. Certainly, they're going to have to take some votes that do appeal to their Republican constituents. Um, and that makes the ca- that makes the caucus, you know, more fragile, especially to your point, if it if it's a if it's a narrow, yeah. a narrow number, um, there's not going to it's not a, you know, just going to be a blank slate for the Democrats to to come in and, and enact whatever Nancy Pelosi's already told us that they're going to do after we win and she's elected speaker and, um, and, and here's how it's all going to go. Uh, so I, 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 I certainly think that that all makes a, a ton of sense. Um, I know we're not, we're not putting a, a ton of stock in, in polls right now, certainly to, to underscore the, the potential that if, that if these polls are wrong, it, it may, it should be the end of polling altogether, but I do want to highlight at least kind of where, where the pollsters tell us things are in some key races at the, in Florida, uh, Bill Nelson and Rick Scott, still a statistical tie, um, North Dakota, another poll out showing, um, the incumbent Heidi Heitkamp down nine points. She's been down as much as 15, um, in, in recent weeks, um, seems like that's, that's a state that that is certain certain to flip uh, to the Republicans. Um, but in Montana, um, Mark, your your friend Senator Tester um, has you know been holding consistently a three four point lead out west. Um, new poll out uh, yesterday shows the same thing. Um, we talked about Ohio. We talked about Ohio a lot um, on on um, 
on our earlier call mm-hmm. powered with with Jerry and um and and that's you know that's just a race that that Sher Brown has been in command of from from the get go um new poll out has him has him up six points, which is a little bit smaller of a margin um in Arizona um a state that is really all over the all over the place in terms of where this Senate race is but new poll out yesterday from n b c news has Kirsten sent him up six points yeah um so you know that that one didn't look as as strong for the Democrats a week or so ago, but but this poll would suggest that that she's in pretty good shape. Um, Texas um, uh, polls anywhere from Cruz plus ten to Cruz plus four. Who knows? You know, but uh, but there's a a local poll that came out yesterday that has has Cruz plus ten, which is a higher margin than we've seen in a long time. But you know, who knows? I, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating because, as I've said before, the Republicans, both of the, in both of the, of the last two presidential elections, Trump and Romney have underperformed the polls in Texas uh, heading into the polling, heading into election day, had them winning by more than they ultimately won. So I think those, I think Cruz is going to win, but it's going to be closer than the polling suggests. Mark, what do you make? I mean, as we're looking at as as we're as we're looking ahead, I mean, it, it does seem like, and I think you you both have said it, but to to sort of offer uh, you know the headline, I mean, are we we're headed for a split decision? Democrats take the House and Republicans maintain control in the Senate. Well, it's a split decision in Congress, of course, if that's the result, which. We all think it will be. It's not really a split decision if you bake in the governorships, the attorneys general, and and other more local races. If, in fact, it plays out as we think it will, uh, it's a better night for Democrats than Republicans. It's not a split decision if Democrats take eight, nine governorships, Democrats pick up uh, six, seven, eight attorneys general spots. So I I think, I don't know, wave, tsunami, what it ripple, whatever. It it will be a better night for Democrats, not a split decision if it goes down the way that that we are all predicting here. And I just want to say about Texas, who knows? Cruz is likely to win. Howard's point about uh, Romney and and Trump underperforming is is an important one, but but I will just say that there are a a couple of races we haven't talked about Florida or Georgia governors races. There are a handful of races: Texas Senate race, Florida governorship, Georgia governorship. There are a couple of races where brand new, never before seen on the national stage figures could emerge victorious on election night and could be very central to what happens next to the Democratic Party. A Governor Gillum, Governor Abrams, certainly a Senator O'Rourke, certainly a Senator O'Rourke, very meaningful for what happens next to the Democratic Party. So we'll see where they end up uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, 
there's there's a lot to watch, um, and and no doubt we'll we'll keep we'll certainly keep talking about it. Um, we'll be live uh, next live. next uh, on election day from Philadelphia, um, doing our uh, our we'll spiel, whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> uh, we'll come up. Kate, Caitlin and Christy will come up with something for us to to talk about. But we will be at Cozen O'Connor at One Liberty Place. Um, election day at noon, so certainly anyone who would like to join us, um, more the merrier. Um, we'll, we've sent some stuff out, and we'll send out another round of invites, so um, RSTP, and, and certainly come join us. Blake will be Facebook-living it. Well, yeah. Wow. It's, it's, Mark and I have actually been on Facebook Live before. Believe that's it or not, right. we I, were. That's right. You were. I remember that. It's a return performance. It is. It is. <laughs> right. It is. You, right. Facebook is having you back. Yeah. They're excited it took, about it. I, Howard, it took two years for the country to recover from our last performance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think we're ready to go back in the water again. Social, we're all about social media, Mark. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. We're, we're yeah. going to so be in all What does that mean places. that Facebook? Facebook Live thing. What does that mean? <laughs> it's it, don't worry about it. We got <laughs> you covered. Got you Good. covered. Good. Um, all right. So I do want to I do want to encourage everybody um, to check out a conversation that we did. We did have yesterday. Uh, me, Howard, um, former Virginia Attorney General Jerry Kilgore, and Christina Howard from our. State AG's group. We posted it at copublicstrategies.com. It was a great discussion because yeah. Jerry's been a candidate for. Well, he's obviously been attorney general, been candidate for governor, candidate for governor in a purple state. So it was a lot of fun and, yeah. and insightful. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. So for for people who are interested in, we we spent we dedicated more time to down ballot races than, um, and so for people looking for for a more in depth discussion about. Those races, I strongly encourage you um, to check that out. And of course, um, any comments, uh, questions, or criticisms, the moderator always welcome. You can email us at presidentialanalysis@cozen.com. And again, look for look for an invitation uh, from us to join us if you're in the Philadelphia area um, on election day. We'd love to have you. Um, we'll be talking through um, what we what we think will happen. We'll um, and uh, and offering a bunch of predictions and and of course um, whenever possible some some good humor as well. So um, uh, Howard Mark, I I can't believe it's almost here. I really can't believe it's almost here. It seems at at times like it's the days are the days are years, but it also isn't isn't Mark doesn't feel too long ago that you and I were in New Hampshire. So um, when really all this whole thing yep. began. Different world. Um, so, yeah, it's it's what a world. Uh, but but gentlemen, thanks as always for for joining us. Um, I want to thank everybody uh, for listening. And and again, if you're in the Philadelphia area next week, uh, please join us at Cozen O'Connor uh, in person. Otherwise, we'll we'll be back here and on Facebook Live. So thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks, Blake.